I will praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. You know, when we say hallelujah, it actually means praise the Lord. Amen. And so, you know, that, that Yah, uh, at the end of the hallelujah, as in Yahweh, we're saying, I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. And it's so good to see you here in the house of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, as we have started back at two services and, and you know, before the pandemic, we had two full services with people and now we're trying to build back up. And we just believe that God is doing something wonderful in our midst and we will still trust him to do what he wants to do because again there's three prayers that we've been praying regularly before the Lord uh, and I have my t-shirt to prove it we want to be a house of encounters that what does that mean that means whenever you come into this church at 56 magazine street or the church at PT uh, North was at 77 Columbia Street or even online however you come in contact with this church, that you will have an encounter with God, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's what our prayer lines are all about. We spend roughly, there's about roughly 27 hours, 27 to 29 hours a week that's dedicated in prayer so that you will encounter God. And then also, we want to be a house uh, that where people have a heart to worship. And worship doesn't mean what's going on in Sunday morning, although that's part of it. But worship means, uh, uh, as we would probably say, the basis of worship is Matthew 6, verse 33, which says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, seek first the things that God wants and all the other stuff will be added to you. So we, we, we want to put God first. We, this is what the word worship means to put God in a position of worth, to put God in a position of value. And then we want to create a place that has a hunger for God's word, a hunger for the scriptures. Uh, Ma uh, not Matthew, but Psalms chapter 1 talks about blessed is a man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in the Lord's law, that he, Lord's law does he meditate day and night. He shall not, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, who brings forth his fruit in a season. Meaning that there's a tell somebody there's a season. Tell somebody there's a season for your fruitfulness. Amen. There's a season that that what you've been struggling for. It's going to come to pass. For example, you're going to school, and hopefully there will be a season of your graduation. Amen. And, and, and after you graduate, there will hopefully be a season of a job. Amen. 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 I mean, hate to, hate to break it to you, but the objective of a degree is not to be smart. The objective of a degree is to get a job. Amen. Amen. Being smart is nice, but I want a job. Praise the Lord. There's a season. There's a season. And so this, the scripture says that if you meditate in God's word day and night, you know, memorizing scriptures, 
the Lord says that, and that you will make it, that you will uh, be fruitful. The other thing that uh, I want to remind you of is that uh, you can make your way prosperous just by meditating on the Word of God. God says in Joshua chapter one verse uh, nine that when you meditate on the Word, you will have good success. So that's why we want to make sure you have a hunger for God's Word. Of course. Uh, you see my T-shirt, and uh, I got this choice, and this is like uh, one of the, the best T-shirts, praise the Lord. Uh, I saw one of the uh, welcome committee tie. He had his T-shirt, and I said, yeah, we're on the same length. And, but the good news is, is that if you are a volunteer, meaning if you just are part of any of the ministries, you get a T-shirt of your choice. Amen. 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 You say, how much does it cost? It costs you nothing because you're volunteering. Uh, tell somebody it pays to serve Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And, of course, uh, we have our ministry fair on, in Dana Park. Really excited about that. And we have an international uh, dinner, Indian food, uh, a Thai food, uh, Jamaican food. I knew, I knew it. I'm, 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 I'm trying to... Because I know, I know certain people are going to get all, ooh, Jamaican food, and we also have Nigerian, Nigerian food. Hey, for my sake. <laughs> uh, so it's really exciting because one of the things that we believe God has called us to be is an international church, a multicultural church, a multi-ethnic church. So we're really grateful for that uh, want to just remind you even as we're about to get into the word that Friday nights we meet every Friday night from 10 p.m. from 8 p.m. 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. in uh, Pentecostal Tabernacle uh, North 77 Columbia Street uh, and we meet there on Friday nights to have a nights of encounters where we create an atmosphere where God just moves and touches and ministers to people. And we had some incredible, God do some incredible things for people on, on that Friday. The testimonies were amazing. So we're just, we want to invite you, encounter God on Friday. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. And we're really celebrating, talking to you about some small, about small groups and the power of that. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's rule in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came into Jerusalem and besieged it and captured it and eventually destroyed it. Verse 2, God, the Lord, gave him victory over Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. So he took the things that belonged to God out of God's house and put it into the house of the enemy, Satan, the devil. Then the king ordered Aspenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives 
select only strong and healthy men, or sorry, select only strong and healthy and good-looking young men, the king said, make sure that they are well-versed in every branch of learning and are gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve in the royal palace. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Train these young men in the language and in the literature of Babylon. Train these young men in the language and in the literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchen. They were to be trained for three years. They were going to get their master's degree, training three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. Judah means praise. All from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. But Daniel was determined. Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food or the wine given to him by the king. Daniel was determined. Father, I pray that my speech and my preaching will not be the, with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit of power that our faith will not rest in the wisdom of Brian Greene, and in the power of, but in the power of God. And just as I borrow that prayer from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter five, uh, 2, verse 5, I also borrow his prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. And I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give all, unto all of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Let the eyes, Lord have mercy, let the eyes of the understanding of our hearts be enlightened that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what is the rich of the glory of your inheritance that is in each and every one of us who are your saints. Help us to know the exceeding greatness of your power towards each and every one of us who believe. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead that resides in us. So Lord, do your thing. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you on the subject, the importance of smaller groups. The importance of smaller groups. We, we have a thing called small group ministry, and that is a language that's in the church world that many people may not understand. So I want to talk to you about the importance of what we mean by a smaller group, meaning a smaller group than what's here on Sunday morning. Are you following me? A smaller group. Um, and so uh, understand, uh, if you could see the map, you have these young men, these teenagers, who, um, who have been captured by the king of Babylon and his army. And they are pulled out of Jerusalem, pulled out of their country, and they are forced 
to walk or to march 900 miles to Babylon, which is now modern-day uh, Baghdad. 900 miles, which roughly, for those of you who may say, what does, how, do, how long does that take? The, when the Bible talks about a, day, a day's travel, they would say, like in Massachusetts, we would say things like, well, um, how long does it take to get to such and such a place? And we won't say it's a certain amount of miles. We in Massachusetts would say it'll take 30 minutes or an hour. Um, in the Bible days, they would say it was a day's journey. A day's journey represented 20 miles, 20 miles of walking, not taking the bus, not riding a bike, not driving a car, walking. So this 900-mile journey was roughly 45 days or a month and a half. This was not a, voluntar a, a, a voluntary uh, walk. This was a forced journey. This was a painful journey. This was, imagine, being beaten. This, I, I, uh, uh, this, is a, this is a journey that these men, these young men, would never see their home city again. They would never enjoy uh, the celebration of Passover again. They would never enjoy the, 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 the three major feasts in Jerusalem was Passover and Shavuot, which we call Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. They would never enjoy those things again. They would never be in the house of God, in the temple of God again. I remember, I remember um, when we were in Ghana and we were in this horrible uh, prison, and in this prison where they stuffed slaves in in this room like, like a can of sardines. And there, there was a door that they called the door of no return. It's, it, and, and you can, when you walked in there, you could just feel the, the grief and feel the brokenness of you are going to go through that door, you're going to be forced and changed to board a ship, and you will never see your loved ones again. You will never see your, your, your family again, your friends again, your culture again. You are going and you, and you have these people who are forcing you on this boat and they're chaining you and they're whipping you and they're speaking a dialect that you don't even understand. And here is these young boys, young men rather, forced to enter a place called Babylon, a city that is, is, is trying to educate them in everything that is opposite of what they were raised with. Babylon means, literally means confusion. It, it, is, it is from the word babble, when you hear somebody babbling along, like they just go, yeah, 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 yeah. It sounds like, like, like gibberish. It sounds like confusion. And, and so they're at this place called Babylon, and, and, the, and this culture, what it wants to do is it wants to force these young men to release and, 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 and get rid of and drop the, the, the culture of a God-centered life 
and now they want to culturalize them into becoming Babylonians. Mm. And the first thing they do is they, they take away their identity by changing their names. So they take Daniel, whose name means God is my judge. God is my decision maker. And what I find interesting is that every one of these young men, their names either have contained in their names either God or the Lord or Jehovah. And so you have Daniel's name means God is my judge. So anybody whose name is Daniel it means God is my judge. God is the one who makes decisions for me. Are you following me so far? And then you have Hananiah, whose name means the one the Lord has favored. What does that mean? That means that no, ma that means no matter where I am, the favor of God will follow me. Oh, you need to understand that your favor is not dependent on your circumstances. Your favor is dependent on the God you serve. The scripture says that when, David, when, when Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers and he was in the, he was, he's now a slave in part of his house, the one, the one precious phrase that we can all hold on to, that Joseph hold on, held on to, and I believe is either Genesis chapter 39 or Genesis chapter 40, with all the hell that he was going through, with all the brokenness, the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph. Tell somebody, no matter what you're going through, the Lord is with you. That, that's important to know. That's important to know. That when you're going through deep troubles, when you're going through uh, the most painful, uh, tragic, traumatic things you can go through, God is still with you. God is still with you. And so he has, he has a name that reminds him of the fact that the Lord favors on you even though you've been ripped from your culture. And then you have uh, Mishael, which is another derivative of the name Michael or Michelle. And I named my, my daughter, Vanessa, her middle name is Michelle, and it means who is like God? Or who is what God is? And the answer to that is nobody like the Lord. There's a song that the worship team sings and, they, and on the bridge they say, nobody like him, 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 nobody like you, nobody like you. God, God, God wants, and you may say, why you keep repeating that? Over, nobody like you. See, God loves it when you tell him there's nobody like you. Oh, man. See, when you tell God there's nobody like you, he, he tends to say, well, let me do something else to show you that nobody's like me. Mm. So in the midst of Babylon, God is still saying, in the midst of all this, I'm going to show you there's nobody like me. And we know what happened when these young men got into the fiery furnace. Mm. Oh, I am preaching better than you're responding. 
I don't know what you're going through right now, but you're not in there by yourself. The Son of God, Emmanuel, is with you. Now, then we have Azariah, whose name means Jehovah, or the Lord, has helped. The Lord has helped. Oh, my goodness. It doesn't say the Lord will help. The Lord has helped. Meaning that before you got to the trouble that you're facing, the Lord has already sent help. I know he's talking about heaven in this text, but, it, but I really believe that Jesus is talking about everything. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, John chapter 14, that where I am, you may be also. I know he's talking about heaven, but I believe that God is, Jesus is already in my tomorrow, waiting for me to get there, and he's already arranged the people and the things and the circumstances to make sure that I succeed. Why? Because the Bible says he will not put on me more than I can bear. Tell somebody if it's on you, you can handle it. Now the problem is, is are you trying to handle it on your own strength? First Peter chapter 5 says, when, when the burden's on you, roll all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Stop carrying stuff you have no business carrying. Stop carrying tomorrow's problems because worry is interest paid on problems. If you died today, you would have carried a whole lot of stress for nothing. Lay it on Jesus. He will carry your burden. That's a word for somebody. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And you will find rest for your soul. Well, how do I give it to Jesus? Just say, Jesus, take this. You don't have to be deep in your prayer. Take your oh, I feel the whole. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. I said this is a prophetic word right now. If you're carrying a burden right now, I want you to just come up here and drop it and go back to your seat. I've never done this before. I just felt the Lord saying that people in here who are bored, and, why, don't you, why don't you go around the other way? I don't want anybody to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, thank you. Take it, yeah, yeah. Leave it there, leave it here, leave it there. Oh, come to the altar, the Father's arms open wide. Deliverance, come from the precious blood of the cake, take it. Take it to the And see, some of you are like, uh, what are y'all doing? You're walking up there trying to carry some make-believe burden. My point is this. What do you have to lose? Yeah. Woo. What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? 
Just leave it there. That's a word from the Lord. That's not in my nose. And some of you are saying, whoa, what about me? I'm watching online. Then, 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 then if you're watching online, take your burdens to your laptop. Take, set your phone and take your burdens. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Now that, now that you're, hey, Shabako, I don't know what the, now that you're unburdened, lift up your hands and bless the Lord. Because you, hey, because you're not, hey, because you're not carrying them anymore. You can, hey, lift up your hands and bless the Lord. Bless him out of Zion. Bless the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the whole God will not look on you blessing him and do nothing. Mm. But it's amazing that the enemy was trying to beat the culture and the desire for the things of God out of these young men by changing their names. Changing their names. Changing Daniel's name to Belshazzar. Belshazzar. And Hananiah's name is Shadrach. And Meshach's name to Meshach. And Azariah's name to Abednego. And isn't it interesting that when you ask people who are the three Hebrew boys, we still call them by their Babylonian names. I don't know if some of you are not old enough to remember this unless you watched it on YouTube, but I remember, if you can show the picture, I remember when I was in high school and Roots just came out. Ooh. And I remember this scene where the slave owner says, now that we have you in America, I'm changing your name from Kunta Kinte to Toby. And so he says, what's your name? And he says, my name is Kunta Kinte. Oh, no, it's not. What's your name? My name is Kunta Kinte. No, it's Toby. And he kept whipping him until finally he couldn't take the beating anymore, and he said, my name is Toby. But he, if you watch it, he was saying, my name is Toby on the outside, but I'm Kunta Kinte on the inside. My point is, is that the devil will always try to beat your identity in Christ out of you. He wants to change your name to depression, to discouragement, to failure, to... You know, you name it, when our identity must be in Christ. Because in Christ, I can do all things. How many of you right now know for a full fact you shouldn't be where you are right now based on how you were grown, you raised and based on the testings and the trust? Some of you, you, sh you should have lost your mind, literally should have lost your mind. Where all, if people heard your story, they would look at you and say, how are you even still alive? It is because of the grace of God so that nobody gets to brag. 
Don't let the enemy beat the identity out of you because of the Babylonian culture. The Babylon means confusion. And 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says, God is not an author of confusion. He is the author of peace. And that word peace, again, those in the, in the New Testament Greek, is still shalom, which means God is the author of success. He's the author of prosperity. And I believe that's why he said, when you're crossing over to your promised land, make sure that this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Observe to do all that's written therein, because then you, not me, you, not me, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. I had to ask myself, Elder Anita, and, and the Lord's really did me, when was the last time I memorized a scripture? Now some, and I'm talking about me too, some of us are surviving on Sunday school scriptures. What do I mean Sunday school scriptures? Scriptures that we memorized when we were in Sunday school. And we haven't memorized any since, and I'm talking about me. And the Lord was dealing with me. I was up at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, Lord have mercy, and the Lord said to me, I want you to stop memorizing four scriptures. So we're traveling through the book of Galatians, and so I, I, I started memorizing four scriptures. I don't know them all yet, but I, but I do know... Um, uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, where Paul says, uh, my little children whom I travail until Christ be formed in you. The objective of the Holy Spirit is to form Christ in you. The objective of the Holy Spirit is when you walk around, people see Christ and not you. Oh, my goodness. So this pressure of identity and the culture of Babylon, now I'm going to say something to get you mad, but, you know, um, I guess that's my job. But we have the Babylonian culture in these United States. Hmm. Ooh, Jesus. Honey, you better have the car ready. Because some of us, ooh, Jesus, I said this in the morning where it can't be recorded, but now I'm on YouTube. So, so some of us, we have been duped for the last 50 years into thinking that abortion is okay. It was quiet in here. Now, let's forget about, whoa, the government, take the government out of it. We're talking about what does God say about abortion? Ooh, it's quiet in here, right? But that's okay. Yeah, and you say, well, you know, well, what about the, the 10-year-old who had to go to another state because the 10-year-old was raped or incest or rape? And look, those are hard issues. Those are hard questions. And, 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 if, and, if, and if I was faced with that situation, I, I, I would be struggling with God. How, what do I know what your word says? Well, first of all, what does the word say? The word, Joe... Job, 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 Jeremiah, Isaiah, and thank God we're going through Galatians. Even the Apostle Paul said, from my mother's womb, you knew who I was. It's quiet in this place, but that's all right. I hear a baby saying amen. <laughs> my point is, is that we have allowed culture to shape what we believe as Christians. 
Now, now that I got people on the left messed up, let me get people on the right upset. So, you know, we have people on the right who don't believe in climate control. It's quiet in this place. And you're like, you're like where's that in the scriptures? The Bible says that the earth is the Lord's. And, and we see all sorts of evidence of the fact that something's wrong, but because we're so selfish, in fact, give me a scripture about, you know, climate control and making sure that we take care of the earth. Genesis chapter 1. He said, you all take care of the earth and subdue it. But see, because we've been duped by the culture, and, and, and I'm going to give, I, I said this this morning, so I have to give Sister Deidre uh, props, because I said that Babylon is always trying to feed us its food. Mm. Babylon is always trying to get us to feed, feed on what they're putting in our mouths. In other words, we have a saying, I'm not buying what you're selling. We need to say, I'm not eating what you're feeding me. And I would, Sister Deidre said, is that is, you could tell where, ooh, ooh, honey, you need to come up here and slap me five on this one. You can tell where people stand by where they get their, watch this, news feed. You can hear somebody speaking, oh yeah, you're a foxy. <laughs> hear somebody, oh, you're an msnbc -er. But how about feeding on this news feed? You know what it's called? Believe it or not, it's called good news. <laughs> Stop looking at websites first for your news. Look at this. <laughs> I am preaching the word of the Lord. But we've been so Babylonized that we actually have no idea the fact that some of the things we hold dear are not scriptural. I'm not here on a jihad saying, if you believe in that, you're kicked out of this church. And no, no, I'm not. I'm just, I'm just taking the truth, laying it at your feet, and let God deal with you. And so tonight, as you're going to sleep, and you're, and you start having dreams, it's not going to be the jollof rice or the Indian food. It's going to be the Holy Spirit. Because I'm praying that he will hover over you and point out stuff from the, from the Babylonian culture that you've been feeding on and bring conviction where lust has come back to me. Whew. Bishop, what have you been drinking this morning? Living water. When we look at scripture, we see so, many, so much importance of smaller groups. 
I believe it was these, when these four boys banded together, you read, this, you read the Daniel chapter 1, how God really uh, honored them and blessed them for not eating the king's meat. In chapter 2, when Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't tell me what my dream is, I'm going to kill everybody. And Daniel says, give me one day so that I can seek God. And Daniel goes back to his four, three companions, and they pray together, and God releases the, the dream, the meaning of the dream. And see, this is the power of small groups because Daniel, it doesn't say Daniel went back by himself and prayed. He went to his companions, told them, and they prayed with him. And the Bible says that, that God gave the answer. And by the grace of God, Daniel got promoted, but he remembered his companions in the small group. Esther had a small group. When the, when the news came forth that the king was going to allow all the Jew, genocide, all the Jews to be destroyed, and, and Mordecai said, look, you know, who knows if you're coming into the kingdom for such a time as this? And, and, and Esther said, I, am go I want you to pray and fast, but I'm going to my small group. Woo! I'm going to my small group, and we're going to pray and fast for three days. And if I perish, I perish, but I'm going to see the king. And the power of that fasting in the smaller group produced a miracle that is still being celebrated by the Jews today, which is called the Feast of Peril. Unfortunately, Jesus, even Jesus had a small group, but they failed him. He's about to face the most critical time of his life. And he brings his small group of Peter, James, and John to pray with him. And they fell asleep. Folks, if Jesus needed a small group, <laughs> how about you? Who, who, who are you traveling with? Who, who is the safe space that you need to pour out your heart? We have, uh, we have a number of small groups, but you may say, well, you know, I feel funny if I become a small group. Well, don't, don't get in your mind that you have to be in small group. We have a bunch of small groups that you don't even realize there's they're, they're intimate groups. For example, if you say, you maybe you're new here and you want to get plugged in, but you don't know anybody, uh, start out with morning prayer. That's the easy one. You get on Zoom, 6 a.m. You don't even have to show your face. You don't even have to put your name. You just get in there and you kind of, I call it, I call it the, 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 the waiting pool of, of small groups. You kind of put your foot in there and you get, you get used to the temperature. And, and, and at first when they say, hey, uh, now we're going to break up, we're going to go into breakup group, break up rooms, you know, you can dash out and say, no, nah, I'm not doing that. It's all right. It's all right. But then after a while, you're like, okay, let me see what this small group thing is. And you get into the breakout room, and you sit there, and they say, hey, Chuck, do you have anything to say? Nope. And that's okay. But I bet you, after a while, you're going to start to feel the gravitational pull of intimacy, the gravitational pull of small groups. And then all of a sudden, you're going to start to bear your heart. Ah. We have 
morning prayer. We have midnight prayer where people bore in their hearts and see miracles take place at midnight prayer. Amen, midnight prayer people. Yes. <laughs> yes. This upper room at 8 o'clock, people go to that. We're, we're, huh? 7 o'clock, yes. Yeah, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock on Saturdays. Upper room where you can involve yourself. Then, of course, there's ministry, which is what we're... See, when we, when we ask you to join a ministry group, it's not because we need you to do work. It is, it is because, number one, you are, God wants to use you to be a blessing to other people, but also God wants to use other people in a smaller group to be a blessing to you. It is amazing. I watched the worship, I watched a welcoming team. And after, before and after service, they're praying together about the service. And I believe that during the week, they're praying together over certain situations. Maybe something happened during the week, and they, they're able to call their, their team member and say, hey, could you pray with me because my child's struggling in school. You need people who you travel with, the worship team. Lord, have mercy. Because they're meeting every week again. They, they're, they're a small group. They're a smaller group. Sometimes I, I know that they have rehearsal, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit breaks out, and they're like, you know what? We'll figure it out next to Sunday. But right now God is doing something. Amen, worship team. Amen. You wonder, they're not just a bunch of people singing together. They're doing life together. And can I say this to you? This is gonna, oh, boy, honey, I'm just getting myself in trouble. But let me go to one more point. Then there's, then there's actual, what we call the, the, the actual quote-unquote small groups ministries, where, for example, there's the men's small group. And, and the, we, where, I you know, Brother O'Henny heads that up. And, and I, he tells me about the, the deep things and the deep conversation that the men get in, get, get in uh, uh, conversations with. And sometimes they're even mad at each other. See, I'm not going to tell you that small groups is, praise the Lord, we love each other. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, okay, okay, okay. How many of you, I'll talk to the guys. How many of you have brothers? Raise your hand, brothers, okay. How many of you, okay, how many of you have actually gotten a fight with your brother? Like, boo, 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 boo. Yeah, yeah, me too. My, my brother Kevin, okay. Like, like, like. You're like, oh. look, we didn't have any Holy Ghost sprinkle on us. Yeah, we've gotten in fights. Not me, obviously. We're like, like we're in our 60s. We, we don't have the energy to fight. But, <laughs> but, but my point is, is that, I mean, we're brothers. We love each other. We don't, you know, those days have passed. But my point is, is that family doesn't get along sometimes. And we will argue. We will disagree. We will say things that we're sorry for. But after we get that out of our system, we go back. And, and Donnelly, even when we're angry at our brother, if someone else, come on, folks, try to mess with your family, can I get a witness? You will drop your anger and say, no, 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 no. 
And that's what we ought to do in the house of God. Yeah, we may be angry, maybe we may be frustrated, but when the devil comes in and tries to mess with my brother and sister, we say, no, no, no. We, hey, we drop our anger. We drop our frustration. We drop our talking and say, you don't mess with my brother. You don't mess with my sister. Whether they're white, black, Asian, whatever, you're not messing with them. Hey! Now, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be the old boy. He's like, what did the bishop drink this one? I'm going I'm to get you in real trouble now. Ooh, real trouble, real trouble now. The reason why some of you are not healed is because you keep covering up your broken areas. See, we love... See, see that's, why, that's why I memorize scripture, because people be quoting half scriptures. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much. That's not the whole context. Before the healing, and it says, confess your faults one to another. But what we do, we cover up our faults. We still, <laughs> we, we still, got, <laughs> we still got fig leaf disease. We, we don't want people to see our faults. You know why many ministers fall? Because they have no one to express their faults to. What is a fault? If you took geography, which I took because I was not smart enough to take bio biology, uh, so I took up rocks just to get out of Bentley. But a fault is a broken place. Confess where you're broken one to another. Now, I'm not going to express to this whole group, hey, I'm struggling with. But do you have a small group that you can say, yeah, I'm struggling with pornography? Who's quiet in here? Yeah, I am struggling with overeating even though I look thin. Oh, I'm struggling with depression. Who, who do you have that safe harbor where you can tell them where there's areas in your life that you're broken and they will not think any different of you? But too many of us are carrying such shame that we constantly do not confess where the areas are that we're broken so that we're never healed. But this is the season that the Lord is going to be delivering a whole lot of people because God is going to lead you to a small group where you can, you can just say, to heaven with the fig leaves. This is me. Love me or get rid of me, but I'm not hiding anymore. I'm going to ask you all to stand at this time.
This may be the most profound sermon you hear this year. Not because it was a good or a bad sermon, but because God wants to set many of you free by drawing you to a group of persons who will do life with you. To a group of persons who you will feel safe enough to say, no more fig leaves. This is who I am. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed just before we let you go for the international dinner and the ministry fair. If you're here and you never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're here and you actually you just have this sense of not belonging, Jesus died for you so that you can become a part of the family of God. Now, that family may, all, may not always be acting the way it should. But somehow, because God is our Father, he, 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 can, he can put you and I with the right siblings to get us where he's created us to go. We're not talking about joining this church. In fact, joining church does not get you into the family of God. It's joining God that gets you into his family. And we are adopted into the family of God through the blood that Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary. And our faith in his sacrifice for us allows us to be adopted, Romans chapter 8, into the family of God where when we receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in our heart and the Holy Spirit cries out within our own spirit, Abba, Father, which means Daddy, Daddy, which basically means that the Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to actually recognize, wow, I am a child of God. I belong to God now. It's just that simple. All you have to do is believe. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed as we're about to close, whether you're in this room or in a lower sanctuary or online, if you never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life or you asked him to come into your life once upon a time and you're not walking with him now and you're saying, I, I, need, I need to give my life back to the Lord, if you're here, we're not going to ask you to walk up front to the church. We're not going to ask you to do anything other than to slip up your hand so that I can pray for you. And I, I just want to know who I'm praying for. Obviously, if you're online, I can't see you, but we'll make sure that you have the opportunity for me to pray with you to receive Christ. So if you're here and you say, Bishop, could you pray for me? I want to receive Jesus Christ. I, could you raise up your hand so I can see your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see that hand, sir. I see that hand, sir. I see that hand. Yeah. Just, just raise your hand. 
I want, I, I, I want to receive Jesus. I want to receive Jesus. We're not here to embarrass you, but we want to pray for you that you receive Jesus. Now that you raised your hand, if you would just keep your hand up so I can see who I'm praying for, but everybody pray this prayer with me, and especially those of you who lifted up your hands or you're online, say these words with me because uh, I'm going to lead you in a prayer to receive Christ. And everybody repeat after me. Dear Lord, I come to you this afternoon. And I admit, Lord, that I'm a sinner. That Jesus does not live in my heart. But Jesus, I believe you died for my sin on the cross of Calvary. And God raised you from the dead so that I could become a child of God. Jesus, your Bible says, whoever calls on your name shall be saved. And so Jesus, I stand here and I'm calling on you. Save me and make me a child of God. Jesus, thank you for hearing that prayer. Right now I know I'm a child of God. Come on, let's praise God. Let's praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Please understand, it's not some feeling. It's not for, well, I mean, I don't feel any different. It's not by feeling, it's by faith. My name is Brian. There's some days I don't feel like Brian, but I still know I'm Brian. And there's some days the enemy is going to whisper to you, you didn't do anything. That was just some prayer. He is a liar. You may not realize it, but the name devil actually means liar. <laughs> and, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to lie about, he wants to lie to you about Jesus. He wants to lie to you about other people. And the last person he wants to lie to you about is yourself. You belong to Jesus. And so, you know, we, we just want to be a blessing to you. I think uh, uh, there's Elder Ken who's around, but the welcome team can point you in the direction of making sure he's in the back to making sure that you get materials. We'll give you, last week somebody gave their life to the Lord and they wanted a Bible. We'll give you a Bible. We'll give you some material. We're not asking you to join this church. No pressure. We just want you to join Jesus. And so God bless you for that. Um, as we go into small groups, I think I have one more uh, slide of, of this very handsome person. If you could show the last slide. If you're interested in, yes. You're going to see that handsome man. He is, he is the uh, uh, small groups minister, and he will direct you and give you information on what, some of the opportunities you have to serve, whether it's in ministry or whether it's actually small groups. God bless you. I want, let me say a, a closing blessing for those of you who are new to our congregation. And, um, we don't end with a closing prayer. We end with a closing blessing, meaning that uh, as I bless you, uh, you put up your hands to receive the blessing. A blessing simply means I speak words that empower for you for your success. Uh, and this is a blessing based on, the, again, the scriptures. And that is Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you this week. May the Lord make his face shine, grin, and show his pleasure on you this week. May the Lord be gracious, kind-hearted, and pleasant and compassionate to you this week. 
May the Lord show you his favor like he did one of the Hebrew boys. That will promote you. His favor will appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, this week, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, and his success. And may the Lord this week remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your lives. This week, I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you. See you at Dana Park for the food and fellowship. Hey, family. Thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you, and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you.